Hey guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining us for what is now episode number eight of our Road to 2023 series. And we've got a fun-filled, fun-packed episode for you guys today. Awesome. Well, before we get into a recap of our weeks, we wanted to let you guys in on some exciting news. We will actually be presenting alongside Sports Nutrition Australia for a live seminar here at a Brisbane location, which is also available online as well. And that will be on Saturday, the 4th of September. So links for that seminar will be in the description below. Tickets are $79. If you do want to see us in person, then better get your ticket pretty quick because I believe there's only 25 in-person tickets available, right? Yep. So there are 25 in-person tickets and you can always purchase the recording afterwards. You have 10 days to do so. However, the little... Uh, I guess caveat is that only people who attend in person can ask questions. Attend in person and attend online. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. (laughs) And we'll also be joined by a few guests. So Alex Thomas uh, from Sports Nutrition Australia, Carl Weber, and Joey Cantlin and Brandon Kempter as well. Yeah. So if you guys remember, we actually did a comp prep roundtable with all of these guys back in episode 116 and 117 of the podcast. And we did allude that we would be doing some live seminars. Mm. Originally, the plan was to be able to do them in every major city of Australia. But unfortunately, given the COVID circumstances, we just can't lock in any specific dates without running the risk of going into an unexpected lockdown. But we will be at a Brisbane location on Saturday, the 4th of September in the flesh. And yeah, like we said, 25 tickets available in person there, but unlimited online. So click the link in the description below if you do want to attend, because ultimately what we're going to be talking about is evidence-based bodybuilding. Mm. And literally everything bodybuilding. (laughs) Yeah. And these are some of the top guys in the country right now in evidence-based bodybuilding. So yeah. And one gal, that's me. (laughs) Uh, But man. If I was anyone else, I wouldn't want to miss it. Yeah, this is, if you're in Australia or international and you're passionate about bodybuilding, uh, there hasn't been something done like this for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, So definitely get onto it. It's affordable and it'll be a great time. Not just uh, a bunch of information, but a bunch of great guys and good speakers. Yeah, without a doubt. So without further ado, let's get into our week. So Jack, how was your past week? Wow. So it's been quite a eventful week, let's say, or all positive, I should say. So this past week was important because it was my first week of my new training block. And secondly, I also had some very considerable nutrition changes, Mm -hmm. probably the most eventful nutrition changes that maybe I've ever made, maybe <laughs> since I first started tracking macros. Yeah, definitely since we've ever met. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been very interesting. And overall, I'll, I'll leave you guys on a bit of a cliffhanger and start with training first. <laughs> so that was, that was really good. And last week, I didn't actually even touch on what my new split is. So essentially, my new split is still five days. I'm still training for two days straight, resting, training for three days, then resting. And essentially, it is a push day followed by a pull and hamstring day, then a rest day, then another push day, then a quad focus leg day, and then a 
another pool day. So, and that's just a sole pool day. There's no hamstring emphasis on that day. And then I'll be resting on Sunday. So it is interesting. And I've, I've pretty much just handed over the reins to AJ on this. And I'm, uh, so far I am enjoying it. Quite a bit of it is different to what I would program for myself and even for clients as well. However, I'm, uh, it's been, I'm not going to lie, it's been very nice to kind of let go and, and hand the reins over to AJ and kind of just not worry about, oh, is this, is this good? Is this bad? Mm. Is this the right thing to, to incorporate? It's actually been, it's really helped my sessions to just focus on what I did last week and try and beat it. And that was the case, especially uh, we're recording this on Monday. And that was definitely the case today. I had probably the best push session uh, probably since before prep. Felt really, really good. And a few other little differences is that I'm incorporating some paused reps and some slower eccentrics. And I think that's really good in this initial phase for me because in the past I have had a tendency to to rush reps. Mm. And I think part of that is due to being or having recently been in comp prep where in comp prep, you just want to get that set done. Mm. And therefore, I had a tendency to sometimes rush the eccentric phases. And we know that eccentric phases are so incredibly important for muscle gain because you actually get more muscle damage in the eccentric phase compared to the concentric phase. And if you're rushing the eccentric phase, you're not really maximizing that set. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there is a bit of a fine balance between taking a 10-second eccentric versus like a half a second eccentric. So you need to, to find that balance between going too fast versus too slow. And if anyone's confused about what eccentric and concentric means, the eccentric component of a movement, that's when the muscle is lengthening. So mm. imagine you're doing an RDL. The eccentric portion of that movement would be when you are actually lowering yourself down to the ground and your hamstrings are actually stretching. And then the concentric portion of the lift is when the muscle is shortening. So when you're actually coming back up. Yep, yep. And that's, those have been the major changes uh, and so far, as I said, it's going well, a few new movement patterns to adjust to. And I guess the other probably big consideration for me and something that I was quite interested in from the start was the reduced frequency for leg training. So I'm actually quite happy with this decision as well, because my legs are obviously my more favorable muscle parts, like they're quite a bit more developed than my upper body. And by having kind of two dedicated push days, uh, like one and a half dedicated pull days, and then a only one quad focused leg day and one pull slash hammy focused leg day, usually I would do two full leg days hitting quads and hams. So the total volume is down, the frequency is down. This means after one week, I've like been able to recover incredibly well, unsurprisingly, from those different variations of leg days. And it's just being able to prioritize a bit more volume uh, and uh, thought process to my upper days and try and maximize that a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the trade-off right now because yeah. ultimately your primary goal is to grow your back and you mm -hmm. need to dedicate as much energy and, my chest. and your chest <laughs> and you need to dedicate as much energy as you can into those sessions and you need to be fully recovered. So, yeah. I, But it is interesting because it is going against ultimately evidence-based training how you know you need to hit at least each muscle group at least twice per week in order to see growth and development in that muscle group mm. but well, I, I guess optimal growth and development yeah right? that's growth and development but i guess if you are 
kind of just trying to put your hamstrings and quads on pause yeah, for the moment. On the back burner. Yeah, a little bit on maintenance while you really try to emphasize your back. But mm. again, this isn't forever. This is no. just your first mesocycle. Yeah, and I guess this is the probably first ever... I can't remember the specific word, unfortunately, but basically putting something on the back burner to prioritize another muscle group, mm. like different phases of training. And that's, I guess I've reached that point in my physique where I've been training for a long time. There are some obvious weaknesses in terms of my back and chest. So it's time to uh, reduce the volume of my other muscle groups in order to prioritize recovery. Because what would happen if, and this has happened, is if... I try to prioritize everything at once. My total volume is too high. I can't recover. I get injured. I wake up every single morning with severe back doms. I'm always on the cusp of a of a strain or a pull. And that just, I, I got away with it last season. I had, I had a couple of little setbacks, but I don't really want to have any setbacks this time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, think, I think the different approach is, is going to work well. And ultimately, I think what you're doing, it takes a lot of courage. Mm. Yeah, it takes courage to obviously try something new. And you never know until you know. And this probably is going to work. Yeah, (laughs) fingers crossed. (laughs) So essentially, that's it with training. I don't really have too much else to add for for now. I'll definitely keep everyone filled in and to any changes that we make. And uh, I'm excited to see how things progress. So that brings me to nutrition where... I have made some big changes Mm -hmm. and I actually made those changes yesterday for the first day. And essentially what that is, is uh, we've talked about on the podcast before, but we're both, we both have a lot of fiber in our diets. Yeah. And I think as of recently, I've been consuming around at least a hundred grams a day. It's probably sometimes even up to 120 Uh, in prep. It might've been even more than that because I was having more vegetables and more carbohydrate sources that were higher in dietary fiber. And essentially, I've made the decision to cut that to around 15 grams of fiber per 1,000 calories consumed each day. So for me, on my training days, I'm consuming around 4,000 calories. So that'll be about 60 grams of fiber tops. That's a huge amount of fiber for most people. For me, that's cutting my fiber almost in half. Yeah. <laughs> And on my rest days, it's closer to like 3,200 calories. So that's going to be just over like around 45 to 50 grams of fiber uh, on the rest days. Yeah, that's, uh, I basically, Tara is testament to this. I took probably like one to two hours yesterday, changing my food sources, doing the deep dive on my fitness pal, ensuring that all the food sources I was eating had correct dietary fiber listed on them. I had to pop into Woolies because I made this decision after my weekly shop. It's one of it's, I'm kind of the person where I'll, I'll make a decision split second and I'll want to follow through with it 100%. So you you better believe I'm heading to Woolies that same day to get those new carb sources. Because we were having this discussion on Saturday night and it was almost just one of those light bulb moments where yeah. it's just like, gosh, this is just what I got to do. Mm. And I'm not going to wait a week to start. I'm going to start now. Yeah. Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular informative content on both our Instagram and YouTube channel. So make sure to go over to those platforms and search The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. And I guess I I haven't even touched on yet why I've decided to make this decision. And ultimately it comes down to 
one main thing in particular, which is testosterone. Mm. Second, uh, I guess the second point is like nutrient absorption as well. Mm. And we know that very high intakes of dietary fiber, it can impair the absorption of certain nutrients. And we kind of have to ask ourselves why as well. Like, I don't need to be having that much fiber. Like the, the, the minimum amount per day recommended is 30 grams. So at 60 grams, I'm still doubling that. And so what I'm focusing on now is just having my adequate amount of whole grains, fruits and vegetables. And then I'm just literally just having to have very, very, very direct sources of carbohydrates for everything else. So that has meant like changing out my wholemeal flour for white flour, uh, having polenta instead of like potatoes, uh, reducing my vegetable consumption in my evening meal. Uh, I, I'm going to miss oats, but basically oats are off the table, uh, pun intended, um, for me at the moment. Like I can, I'm having like around 25 to 30 grams a day, but oats are just crazy high in fiber. And yeah, like those are, those are going to be the major changes. And even now I'm, I'm just on the cusp of 60 grams. So when new carbohydrate sources get added, I'm basically going to have to have, keep having those refined options, like have the sugary condiments, have some cereals, have some extra white flour, polenta, mm-hmm. things like that. So I guess this is also the discrepancy between performance versus health. But I guess you could also argue that me having such a high intake of fiber potentially was, is why, because I've been having 100 grams of fiber a day probably since 2016, maybe even before that. And I've always had average testosterone levels. Like even in the peak of my off season, they would still be on the lower natural end of the reference range. And although to an extent that's normal, I like as a bodybuilder, I want to try and make that as high as possible. So that's, that's probably the main reason why I have reduced it. Secondly, due to my, due to nutrient absorption as well, even though I am not deficient, doesn't mean it couldn't be better. Yeah. Ultimately you're at that point now where you are trying to optimize absolutely everything, Yeah. but blood tests and objective measures, they don't lie. Mm. Right. And like you're at that point where you're like I will try anything but I want to ask like psychologically as a dietitian how are you kind of making this shift because obviously we know that certain foods are more nutritious like does Mm. that mentally bother you at all knowing that oh gosh I'm switching from the wholemeal flour over to the white flour when I could be having the more wholesome or Mm. nutritious source in the past it would have but now not not really at mm. all i would say and the reason being is that when i because i didn't just willy-nilly uh to <laughs> that's an odd saying but i didn't just randomly cut out it wasn't uh it wasn't random let's just say mm. i specifically structured my day of eating to still hit all my nutrient targets yeah so like i'm still having an adequate amount of vegetables an adequate amount of fruit even an ad- adequate amount of whole grains as well I'm still having enough dairy in my diet, lean meats, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the quality of my diet, I'm still very confident in it. It just means that I'm, I'm reducing that surplus, that huge surplus of whole grain carbohydrates, which I was quote unquote healthy, but I just was potentially making me less healthy. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You are in just such a unique position right now. And that's why it's going to be so interesting to see down the line when you get another blood test done, perhaps in like eight weeks time or something, Mm. if making these dietary changes actually does help to elevate your natural testosterone levels, it'll be so interesting. Cause then 
it really goes to show that more is not always better. And Mm. it's really a balancing act. Yeah, definitely. And that's been pretty much it. So I'm it's only been one day. And even yesterday, I made the decision after breakfast. So Mm -hmm. I still had my usual 200 grams of oats for breakfast with chia seeds, with flax meal, with an apple, (laughs) like all very high fiber foods. And that's, uh, I will continue to fill people in how my blood test results go, how I'm feeling. And the other interesting thing in Australia is because we count fiber separately to carbohydrates and I've dropped fiber by about like 50, 60 grams. Technically, I've actually reduced my energy intake slightly as well. Yeah. But also technically, my thermic effect of food has come down. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know what what will be the outcome in terms of how... And I'm, and I'm changing up my food sources. So overall, there's going to be quite a big shift in terms of energy intake I think well not not a big shift but like there definitely is going to be a shift in terms of uh, thermic effect of food and total energy consumed and obviously my digestion as well because I'm consuming half the fiber I'm looking forward to not retaining a lot of water due to that fiber and also not having a food baby after every meal and not that it was excessive but I think in in a few weeks time once I've implemented this I will have real I will start to realize how much of an effect it was having. Yeah. And what sort of changes have you made so far? And have you surprised yourself at all? You know, like for example swapping from wholemeal flour over to plain flour like has the texture been <laughs> good, bad, the same? Yeah, so it's I mean swapping over to because everyone knows that we love protein cakes, we love cream of wheat and basically I'm making that now with white flour. And it is, the texture is very good, unsurprisingly. It goes to show why people love white bread. Yeah, I mean, white bread, white everything. Mm-hmm. Like, cakes are made from white flour, not wholemeal flour. But it is it is nice, and it suits the palate, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be useful as as time goes on and my, my appetite decreases and my carbohydrates only continue to get higher. And that's been the major shift, to be honest. The other biggest thing was just reducing my veg intake in my evening meal. And I've, I've already reduced that by like 400, over 400 grams. And I'm going to be adding like white rice to that meal as well, increasing the carbohydrate content. So yeah, it's, it, oh, yeah, I, I haven't really done that as of yet. So. Yeah. But again, you're just in such a unique position right mm. now. And if you guys think it's hard on my fitness pal playing Tetris, just trying to work <laughs> out your macros, imagine being a dietitian and trying to make the cut of, oh gosh, which plant do I want to <laughs> yeah. cut out? Like that would be tough, man. Like which yeah. one's got to go? <laughs> I had to cut the peas and corn dude, because their peas and corn are just super high in fiber. So although they're probably like my two favorite or two of my favorite vegetables, mm-hmm. like uh, for now, they're going to be left in the freezer, uh, but <laughs> I'll eat them. <laughs> I will. I will, of course, play around with different vegetables every every couple of weeks mm-hmm. just to keep think keep variety high. Yeah. So on the topic of nutrition and body comp, so what's your body weight right now, averaging, and what are your macros right now? Yeah. So macros haven't changed. They're still at uh, 400 carb, 70 fat, 250 protein on a rest day, and on a leg day, they're 550 carb. On a upper day, they're 500 carb. And then on my training days, 80 fat and 275 protein. Cool. So that's a lot of different numbers there. But yeah, so the other just quick... I've been talking for a long time. But the other quick nutrition point that I wanted to mention was I'm actually going to start supplementing with zinc and magnesium as well. And 
magnesium, you can't actually get that tested by a blood test. There's no definitive way to test for magnesium, which is uh, a bit annoying, but it's just the way the, the world turns, I guess. Well, how do they identify deficiency then? I think you have to be showing deficiency science symptoms, oh. which is only when you're, you're pretty damn deficient. So yeah, that was probably a silly question. I should know that from <laughs> dietetics, but lucky I got you. Yeah. And uh, I think if you thought that for more than five seconds, you would have conjured up. The yeah, answer. you're right. <laughs> I'm on the spot right now. Yeah. But zinc, you can get tested by a blood test. And last time I got that tested, I was fine. But again, there's, there is a difference between fine versus optimal. Mm-hmm. And if I can one, lower my fiber intake, but two, increase my blood levels of zinc and magnesium, which are two of the more related their minerals uh, to testosterone production, then I want to be trying to I'm kind of just doing a little test dummy trial at the moment, like a N equals one case study where I'm going to get a blood test this Wednesday. I know my testosterone is probably going to be below 10 nanomoles per liter, um, 10 being the lower end of the reference range for testosterone. And yes, I've come out of comp recently, but that's going to be my threshold and my baseline. And then I'm probably going to get it tested every two or three months between now and uh, indefinitely and mm-hmm. try and if I can over time just bump that up a little bit by little bit and I know that probably for the next six months or so my testosterone is just going to come up naturally due to post prep or maybe less than that like less than six months maybe in the next two or three months but after that the goal will be to keep pushing it up as high as possible and there's only so much that can be done though mm-hmm. that's kind of the disclaimer like I could get to 12 nanomoles per liter, which is what the highest it ever got before. And it could just plateau there, even despite making all those changes. I don't know until I try. Yeah, and that's the thing. You have to try because yeah. it's gotten to that point where you're literally trying to optimize everything and you're doing everything else. You're getting yeah. adequate sleep. You have a very nutritious diet, arguably too nutritious <laughs> of a diet. You're training regularly. You're managing your stress. You're doing all of these wonderful things. And you're like, Gosh darn, man, Mm. the dude sitting next to me on the bus, he's probably got higher tests. (laughs) This just ain't fair. Yeah, my dog probably has higher tests. Boston, (laughs) who hasn't got his crown jewels cut off yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Boston. (laughs) But my last question for you, obviously, because we know these these different nutrients compete with one another for absorption. Mm. How are you actually going to be supplementing with those throughout the day? Yeah, good question. So, yeah, a lot of people would just take a pill cocktail. So, Mm. like, I'm supplementing with ashwagandha, fish oils, creatine, uh, the zinc, the magnesium, and I'm not supplementing with vitamin D3 at the moment, but I will depending on what my blood levels are like because it is winter. Uh, Also, of course, the calcium in my diet as well. So those, a lot of those will compete for absorption. So essentially meal one, that has my large dose of calcium for the day through my almond milk, uh, fortified almond milk and yogurt. So not gonna supplement with anything in that meal. However, my meal after that is is basically just white flour. <laughs> so I'll be using supplementing with magnesium in that meal. The meal after that, again, I don't really have too much. I mean, I do have a source of iron and calcium in that meal, but it's probably the lowest meal in iron and calcium uh, bar the other meals I'm supplementing with. So I'll supplement with zinc then. And for dinner, uh, I want to try and avoid supplementing with anything there because 
that's a source of calcium and iron. And the thing with minerals is that it's the two plus mineral. So Fe two plus, which is iron and zinc, which is Zn two plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then calcium and magnesium. It's always, it's got to do with like the number of electrons. Mm. Yeah. So all of those different minerals, they compete with one another yeah. for absorption. So that's why I've always just seen it as counterintuitive at dinner time. Mm. If someone might have a spaghetti bolognese and they have some kangaroo or some beef mince and put a bunch of cheese on there so that's already calcium and iron competing for one another Mm. and then they'll take their adrenal switch at night which is their zinc and magnesium and it's like in your guts man all these things are like fighting to get Mm. through it's like no me (laughs) (laughs) but if you try to speak like if you're uh, what i'm trying to say is that it's not like you're not going to absorb any but ultimately they are going to compete for absorption. You're not optimizing that scenario. Yeah. So if you recognize that, hey, I really want to maximize my absorption of these specific nutrients, you need to be a little bit strategic about when you consume them throughout the day. Yeah. Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services, which you can find on our website by searching the bodybuilding dietitians on Google or via the show notes below. We coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. So the final thing I'll say is I know a lot of the guys listening to this or maybe even some girls as well, uh, you will be interested in maybe trialing a few of the things that I'm doing to Mm -hmm. try and maximize your testosterone. And I will be making a YouTube video on it, kind of breaking down all the changes I've made and what changes I am going to make and like my blood test results to try and maximize this because I guess it is a little bit of a case study and a journey. As I said, I've, I've always had lower testosterone levels. Let's see how high I can make it. Yeah. Let's put <laughs> without, it... <laughs> without using exogenous tests. Put it to the test. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, I can't wait to see. I hope that you just, as your fiber goes down, your body just blows up. You just mm-hmm. grow these huge erectors. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, cool. That's it for me. A solid 25 minutes of talking. Mm-hmm. But let's get on to your week. Well, my week probably wasn't as crazy eventful as yours but it was definitely a solid week so we came out of lockdown we've had a whole new week back in the gym which is excellent and this is actually the first week i've been back in the gym doing all of my compound movements full routine again in the past like probably three or four weeks completely pain-free because my lower back niggle that's completely fine now i'm not feeling any pain so i was able to get back into everything with my bulgarians dumbbell rdls barbell rdls smith machine lunges the whole shebang hip thrusts as well awesome oh it felt freaking awesome man like just phenomenal and no even signs of pain at no all. not at all and i was very conservative mm. and despite even being conservative and lifting weights that i know or they still feel light but because I hadn't actually done those movement patterns for a few weeks, woke up the next day and two days after, certainly feeling a bit mm. tender in the glutes and the glute meads, <laughs> for sure. Uh, even my quads. But it's like, it's so nice to have the doms again because, oh, I missed it. I yeah. missed it. And just getting an epic pump from like a hip thrust. Mm. Yeah. It's like getting the, it's a typical thing like on Instagram where someone likes your photo, you get that little bit hint of, serotonin or endorphin Mm -hmm. rush yeah pumped up well it's kind of like that with doms like doms is the equivalent like you wake up the next day and you're like yeah that's that's my little serotonin hit that yeah i've trained that muscle and Mm -hmm. i've i've done something yeah so it this past week back in the gym it did feel absolutely excellent and 
Training's just going really well and I'm just excited to just keep building up. But again, I'm, I'm not in a rush. You know, when I say I'm being conservative, I'm not like doing body weight Bulgarians or something like that. But what I mean is I've kind of stripped back each movement by around five to 10 kilograms on these big compounds. So for example, my Smith machine lunges, I went from 70 kilograms down to 60 kilograms. Bulgarians from 32 kilogram kettlebells down to the 24s. For my dumbbell RDLs, I went down from 42.5 down to the 35s. And I just want to really nail my form and then slowly inch my way back up with yep. immaculate form. So I just I just don't rush into these things and I just don't get any more lower back mm. niggles at all. And just recovery has been really good as well because when I'm in that habit now of, I've always stretched every day and I do yoga every single week outside in the sun with the dogs. That's like very relaxing time for <laughs> more, me. Is there more yoga or dog licking there? <laughs> Ooh, it's a combination. Depends how many cars are driving by the, <laughs> by the fence. Boston and cars, dude. Like, yeah. So I don't know if he has a fetish with cars or he... It's the trucks. It's a fetish <laughs> with trucks. That's it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I do yoga quite regularly when it's sunny outside, but we actually purchased a massage gun this past week. Yeah. And... We definitely always try to optimize our recovery with good nutrition mm. and really good quality sleep and everything. We actually made a, you made a YouTube video yep. on how to rest to recover mm. and how to maximize recovery. So guys. And that involved a review of the massage gun as well. So mm. that's uh, on our channel. So yeah. So the massage gun, it feels so good. Just like getting in your glute meads, man. Like, mm. oh, you never realize how sore you are until like, it used to just, someone just needed to poke me, but now I'm starting to up my game. I'm starting to. <laughs> Level I, one to level two I can out of six. Yeah, so. I can tolerate a little bit more vibration. You know mm. what I mean? I'm not as sensitive anymore. I'm, I'm very tough, but I'm also quite sensitive at the same yeah. time. Keep it PG, please. <laughs> anyway, the massage gun, that thing feels awesome. So uh, yeah, Jack did a review of the one that we got on our YouTube channel. So go check that out because we actually got a really good discount on that too. So yeah, I think they... Yeah, they might still be having a discount. We'll see. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll have to check. And again, we're dietitians. We're not physios. So I'm sorry if yeah. massage guns don't have a bunch of gold standard studies behind them. But the vibration, man, feels it's good. Just, it's just a form of soft tissue therapy, which, again, for most people is going to be more neurological than mm. physiological. And that's my take on it, at least, based yeah. on what my physio has said. Yeah. But ultimately, really solid week of training. Feels really good. And I just feel like I'm at a point now with my training where there's not a single movement in my program where I can't just like immediately connect with. Like I'm just getting the most solid mind muscle connections and just incredible pumps from every single movement on my program. There's not a single one where I'm not feeling it in the target muscle or like I'm feeling it in another spot that I'm not trying to work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm doing zero junk volume, despite I train full body five times per week. And I can confidently say, I don't think I'm doing any junk volume. I feel like everything has purpose. The way I've been able to line out my full body program now and absolutely tweak everything perfect to me, I can really recover from everything. And it's, I think back to 
like when I used to train years ago and I would just do such high volume, I do like, like five sets of some exercises, but now I'm probably at that point now, like you, where I could get away with two sets. Like I could get away with two sets. Well, yeah, especially if you're doing full body. I know, but I mean like after that second set, I'm like, I've got such a gnarly pump in connection now. Like I'll do my third set cause it's on my program and I can do it, but I know I could get away with two, mm. but I feel like that's something that you need to earn as a trainee after years mm. of training, right? Yeah, you got to be have a threshold of strength and intensity to warrant moving down to two sets because mm-hmm. ultimately until you reach that threshold, like your recovery is still very efficient because you're not you're not strong enough to be generating as much fatigue. Yeah, but it is just remarkable. And now I can't even fathom. I'm like four sets. Yeah. Oh, like why would I po- like possibly need a fourth set of this? You know, yeah. three is already pushing it. Mm. And I'm saying this now and someone's probably gonna, you know, play it back in my ear one day, but I have a feeling down the track, I am probably gonna be moving down to two sets for mm. some movements because I'm just, I'm getting such a good connection, good stimulus that I just don't require quite that third set. Yeah. Well, I think if you if you do a third set and the quality is worse than your first or second set, then that's also an indication that you could potentially start moving down to two sets. Yeah, without a doubt. So yeah, training's going awesome. It's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And in the body composition department, we finally took skin folds this past <laughs> week. First time, eight weeks post-show, and the results were actually pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. They were, they were better than I was expecting. Yeah, sometimes you just got to strip down and pinch the skin and, mm. you know. <laughs> uh, I think one, the reason why we actually haven't been doing it is, again, it's just so cold, you know. Yeah. That's like you and I, unless like we muster up the courage to actually take off our clothes and take progress photos, like we're always just in big baggy clothes because it's so cold. But yeah, we did do skin folds this past week because it was warm that day pretty sure yeah and i had to i had to take progress photos as well Mm. so the cool thing is is actually comparing our skin folds now at our current body weights to back when we were in prep at this same body weight both of us are significantly lower in our skin folds but the funny thing is is that we're pretty much leaner across every single site except for our abdominals Mm. which i think it coincides with just when you go through a chronic dieting phase then you start putting back body weight on semi-rapidly, a lot of it does go to your abdomen. So like my super spinale and my abdominal fold are both higher than when I was this same weight back in prep, but every other skin fold, like my triceps, biceps, my back, my calves, my thighs, like millimeters lower, Mm. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was very happy with like my, I think I was only five or six meals up from my lowest skin folds of prep. Mm. And I was, again, about the same as my skin folds on the way down, which I see that as a positive sign because undoubtedly I will, would have lost some muscle towards the end, but I'm, I'm still the same skin folds as, as when I was last around 80.5-ish kilos, which is great. And yeah, that's, uh, I'm keen to see how it continues to go. Like it's, it's a good way of keeping approximate track of things, but it's uh, not going to replace things like progress photos for me. Yeah, but we put a combination of all of these things together, which is yeah. cool. But it's neat because we've been taking our skin folds since the end of 2019? No, twenty end of 2018. 
end of 2018. Wow. Yeah. So we've actually got a few years of yeah. data. Coming and, up on three years. Yeah. And if, during that past time, we've been this body weight a few yeah. times. So it's cool to compare. Yeah. Like, like since I, I think I'm still about, I'm 15 mils lower than when I was last 80 kilos mm. in 2018, which is cool. That's some recomp, man. Yeah. yeah so it's pretty neat. Uh, so yeah, skin folds were good. And then I guess in the body comp department. So at the beginning of last week, weighing in still around that like 61.1, 61.3 normal fluctuation. <laughs> then Tuesday morning, weight spiked up to 61.9. And then it's hung steady there pretty much every single day since. Do you know what I'm going to say, Jack? <laughs> it's the cabbage. <laughs> so my dad, ever since 2013, my dad and I have been making this thing called salad <laughs> this thing called salad but it's not just your standard salad it's a special salad it's the nelson family salad it's the nelson family salad and it's been going strong for eight years now it's like a little father-daughter thing that we do anyway this salad my dad and i will go to the fruit market or the vegetable market the market and we will buy a bunch of fresh produce, but like very specific vegetables, vegetables that aren't going to wilt and go yeah. off. Like you don't want mushrooms in that salad bag. No, absolutely. Or like cucumbers or tomatoes. Yeah. No way. We're going for more of those cruciferous. Yeah. Cru crunchy. Yeah. Cruciferous. Cruciferous vegetables. The ones that ain't going to go off. Mm. So we buy like kilograms of carrots and celery and kale and cabbage and cauliflower all of these different vegetables and it's we make like this huge amount of vegetables so we'll fill up like seven or eight massive bowls of salad and then we put them all into ziploc bags squeeze out the air and then we've got like eight to ten massive ziploc bags of salad and then i keep those in the fridge anyway my dad still makes these things when i go and visit my dad we make it together which is really special because we love our vegetables but the cabbage in those salads, man, like, I don't know what it is about cabbage. It must just like draw a lot in uh, because anyway, I noticed that once I started eating and I still account for all of these vegetables and everything like that. But because I changed up my vegetable sources compared to the vegetables I was eating the week prior, yeah. I think just that extra food bulk, man. Yeah. yeah, the combination of extra food bulk, but also you you do respond funkily to cabbage and cauliflower yeah i know <laughs> yeah uh but this is funny because this is exactly what happened in prep as well i was eating this salad for a few weeks in prep and my body weight was just being absolutely flipped your dad doesn't spike it with olive oil or something no he does not but he there is a lot like i'm talking about there's a lot of cabbage in this thing and there's like purple cabbage green cabbage white cabbages all wombok. the whole family wombok wombok wombak mm-hmm Anyway, when I was like, dad, I'm sorry, I can't eat the salad anymore during prep. You know, I've got to be weighing every single thing exactly like I can't just, yeah. I was still accounting for this salad, but it was still questionable. Like, yeah. anyway, <laughs> when I cut this out in prep, my body weight dropped by like 800 grams the next day. So it's kind of a coinkadink that when I added this back in, it's jumped up by 800 grams too. Mm. Uh, anyway, I'm loving the salad. I'm feeling good. That's good. I'm eating more vegetables than you now. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so body weight right now, it's hanging out around 61.9, but feeling good, happy with how I look. Um, current macros are 375 carb between 175 to 200 protein and 40 grams of fat. And I'm probably going to have to mix What's up. What's the step count at? 
step count 15,000 on average. My step count's been the exact same for as long as I, I can remember. Yeah. It's just I, a running joke between us. I, <laughs> I didn't change it before prep. I didn't change it during prep. I just go on the same amount of walks each day, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just kind of manipulate the food and get yeah. stronger. Cool. Anyway, that was kind of my week. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, lots of stuff to continue filling you guys on in the coming weeks and months. But as, uh, as usual, we'll wrap up with something that we want to improve upon this coming week. Mm. Well, Jack, can you think of anything? Yeah. So something very simple is just improving my eccentric phases during the lift, making sure that they're not too fast, but not too slow either. So I'm probably going to aim for around like two-ish seconds, two to three seconds, depending mm-hmm. on the lift. And what I probably want to improve this week is I know that Jack's had to cut out quite a few healthy foods from his diet to lower his tests, not lower, to raise the tests, <laughs> <laughs> to raise the test. So I'm probably going to have to improve my consumption of a larger food variety this week because mm. I hate the idea of wasting food. Yeah. Well, you know, yesterday I was like, hey, Tierra, should we go to the food bank and donate the food? Because... I hate waste as well, but mm. as long as you're going to eat it, then I'm yeah. happy. And I'm even giving the the wheat bix to the dogs, so that whatever we can give to the to the dogs, it's going going to the dogs. Update: Don't feed your dogs zucchinis. Yeah, they will poo it out. <laughs> we tried, man, and Boston woke me up crying three times in the night. Please let me out! I gotta go poo. At I, least he woke us up to do it. That was considerate, but yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Boston. And maybe it was just considerate to Sam. I don't know. Yeah, I just didn't want stink it up stink up the house yeah anyway i didn't have a good night's sleep that night and we learned don't feed your dog zucchinis yeah lesson learned anyway guys thanks very much for tuning in if you did enjoy this podcast episode please remember to take a screenshot post it to your instagram stories tag jack tag myself tag tbd and we'll catch you next week